1: Who doesn't love a good cornhole? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
2: One, two, three, four.
1: It's Mackie and Judd with
3: Rami. Rami. A high fly, center field, and that ball is gone! A walk-off winner for Miguel Sano. A drive to right field, back Kepler with a mammoth blast. The fourth home
4: run tonight.
2: Welcome into the show. Mackie and Joe with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. And video streaming as well now on Score North Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. You can find us at Score North on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. If you want to see our lovely slash ugly faces. And gentlemen, the Twins would already be a small handful of games into their season. Their season would have started last Thursday. We did, speaking of Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, we did a live stream edition of their opening day game against Oakland, which they won 5-3, to thanks to MLB The Show 2020. But I figure we carve out some time here. The home opener would have been on Thursday this week. And Rami and I spent some time
1: at the top of Score North Live today. Weekdays, noon to 2. You can listen to it anytime you want at scorenorth.com. And that totally free Score North app, including today's edition of Rewind Mania, where we broke down WrestleMania 2. a boy. Yes, sir. Get that plug in. Thank yes, you. Uh And we, we just
2: talked about the things we miss most about baseball. And so I want to start this show off with you guys. And we will get to Let Us Not Forget. We will get to Quarantine Discoveries. And we will get to ESPN's way too early NFL rankings and where and why they have the Vikings where they do but I just want this first segment to be a tribute to baseball because I think all of us on this show, maybe even disproportionate to the general public in 2020, love baseball. We all grew up on baseball. And I just want, and I want to open up the phone lines too, 651-646-8255. You can tweet at us at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting, and at Jay Zolgad. I'm going to throw some, some baseball questions at you guys. Just to get at the root of your love of baseball. All right, and let's just uh, let's just kick it
1: around here for this first segment. By the way, is root a Minnesota thing? Because I say root?
2: Root. I say root beer. So, Jonathan,
1: yeah. root, root. What do you say? Ah, uh, root. Judd. Root. 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 Really? The All root.
5: Right.
2: That's a Minnesota thing. If for you sure. get
5: the root of something, I thought that was the correct pronunciation. Though I think it's root. I thought root was. Root. The route you
2: take. Hmm. Well, oh, no, you no, no. Roots like you root for a Whoops. team. Like the root would be like the, like the core of something, right? That's yeah. You're thinking route, or is it root? I think that's route. That's route. <laughs> yeah, that's the route, route you take. Yeah,
0: the route you take. You root for a team, getting hmm. to the root of something. Okay.
2: Well, we'll take grammar calls two six, five, one, six, four, six. Six five one six four six. Yeah. 8255.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, some
5: things are very provincial.
2: <laughs> I want to know from you guys. We saw this question. I'm going to tweak it for, for the show here, but this was floating around social media over the weekend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock one number off of it. Mm-hmm. Who are the three baseball players that meant the most to you guys in your life as baseball fans? Let's start with Judd. That's tough.
5: <sighs> Rodney Klein, Carew, number one, because I started to follow baseball and he wasn't here for much longer because I started following the Twins in 78, but What a magnificent superstar player. So, Crew's probably my top one, just because it's a childhood thing. Who meant the most to me? You know, in fairness, I have to put Kirby in there. Kirby was Kirby. He was, you know, great on the field, a character off the field. Kirby would be too... I don't know if my third... Is my third a twin or a cub from my WGN days? You know, Ryan Sandberg, that group of players was was the summer of 84 was the last time I was like a huge fan. And I've always talked about the fact that when they lost to the Padres in five games after going up to nothing in the best three of five at Wrigley, I cried. So maybe it's a Cub. Maybe it's a guy like Sandberg or somebody like that. I'll, I'll think about my third, but um, Crew and Kirby for sure are probably my top two. Okay.
2: Rami, who are the three players that –
1: meant the most to you in your life as a baseball fan? Top of the list is Carlton Fisk. And I know he's not hes not like the name that most people think of when you think about legendary baseball players who mean a lot to you in my generation and baseball players that mean a lot to you. But growing up in the Chicago area, I was a fat kid. So what do they do with fat kids in Little League, Judd? Oh, you catch. You play? Yeah, they put you in. Not nothing catcher. wrong with that. I, so call- I, was, I was a catcher, and Carlton Fisk was the epitome of a catcher and of a big league ball player to me, that dude was grit. He was determination. He was all about the game. Loved me some Carlton Fisk growing up. He was the one White Sox player. Well, two. He and Frank Thomas were the two guys who put on a White Sox uniform that I rooted for growing up. Uh, I want to put Sandberg on the list, but I don't. I think he's just on the outside looking in. I think the Cub that I would put on the list is Andre Dawson. When that guy, it was a short stay, but when that guy came to Chicago and hit 49 home runs, and won the MVP for a last-place Cubs team, and just the rocket that he had for an arm out there in right field and the show that he would put on, and the fans would all bow to him out in the right field bleachers every time he ran out onto the field, that dude made a major impact on me as a baseball fan, and that was the first batting stance that I tried to emulate, and my entire playing days, I had an element of Andre Dawson's stance in my swing, and it was... The front foot <laughs> positioned a little bit in front the of Hawk. the back foot, and uh, and the third one is the guy who he was the first he was the first non Cub or non Chicago player who was my favorite baseball player, and that was Ken Griffey Jr. Like that guy made baseball cool. He would run out there with his backwards hat, and he just had a very smooth and nonchalant approach to the game, and everything looked so effortless for him, and he was a phenom from the day you heard the name Ken Griffey Jr., and it was a can't-miss, no-brainer, and he actually went on to live up to it. So I would say Ken Griffey Jr. is the third guy on my list.
2: Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. kind of represented... Rami, you're a couple years older than I am, Uh, and I I think if you're like in your mid-30s to like 42, 43. Ken Griffey Jr. defined baseball in that era. He's not on my list of three. I've got two twins, and I also have a Cub, and I think it's just because Cubs games were on WGN, and even if you're a Twins fan, you came home in the afternoon from school, and you flipped on WGN, and there was Harry Carey and Steve Stone, right? Uh, And so for me, the Cubs player on my list is Sammy Sosa, and I know that his career... Went in the direction that it did, and his legacy and reputation went in the direction that it did. But Sammy Sosa was much for me. It was my he was my favorite non-Twins player from 1994 or five when he first kind of broke in to like 2001 two, and it just became very evident that all right, something's a little off here. Oh, he's corking his bat and he's on steroids. All right, that's great, <laughs> and he has a weird Pinterest page. So uh, Sammy Sosa. The other two players that meant the most to me in my life as a baseball fan, I'm with Judd on Kirby Puckett. You know, especially if you were a kid and you went to the ballpark, or I call it a ballpark, you went to the spaceship yeah, the, with the Teflon sterile on environment
5: top, that was the Metrodome,
2: downtown Minneapolis, <laughs> and and Bob Casey was the old PA announcer inside the Metrodome, and he always used to hold the Y on Kirby Puckett. Now batting number thirty-four. And then even like when the twins were terrible, Rami, in 1990, <laughs> you know, 1995, and the twins are just garbage, and it's like Rich Becker is their leadoff hitter, and they have no starting pitching, and they're 30 games below 500. Kirby! And it was the one thing that, that people could cheer for.
5: No no smoking in the Metrodome, and Chuck Knobloch.
2: Chuck thing. Knobloch! There was, the
5: Knobloch one was <laughs> almost like a grading, but it was still fantastic.
2: Jack, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, So just like all of those things, you know, Kirby Puckett still being a star player after the twins were no longer a World Series caliber team. And then the twins go into the doldrums throughout the entire rest of the decade. And the third player that defined my life as a baseball fan, especially at that age was Torrey Hunter, because Torrey Hunter made the twins cool again. And like Doug McKeeverich was great, and AJ Pierzynski was great, and Corey Koski, you know Michael Kadire, all these guys kind of came up, and Johan came around a little bit later. But Torrey Hunter put the Twins back on the map nationally with his glove in center field, with the style of play, sort of a flashy style of play, right? And he was just a cool guy. Like he was, he was media savvy, and he hit home runs. And he was the first real homegrown star player. I mean, Paul Molitor came in like 96, 97, but in terms of homegrown through the minor league system, Kirby Puckett has the unfortunate eye incident in 1996. And the twins were really without somebody for like four or five years. And then, and then Torrey Hunter came along. uh, And he was, he was the one that I think a lot of twins fans in that generation latched onto.
5: I'll give you my third, and it's not a Cub, it's not a twin but this guy was so despised but yet was so good reggie jackson wow cuz i was so the first world series that i remember watching was not the one in which he hit three home runs in one game at yankee stadium because that came in 77 it was 78 but that was a rematch dodgers yankees and reggie jackson epitomized cool he just epitomized it like and he was and he looked so big and i remember as a kid thinking that he was sort of like this bigger, fatter guy. Go back and look at at Reggie now. He's not fat at all. He's actually in good shape. But he was this bigger-than-life slugger who could back up his talk and played in the media mecca of the world. So I think just as far as coolness and respect, my third guy is probably Jackson. Because I was still young then. I, I think there's something to be said for being a, a certain age. Once you get to be... I don't know. Fourteen. It's not that guys aren't cool, but I don't know that they leave quite the impression that they do when you're yeah. eight, nine, or ten. When you are just in awe and these and you see these guys for the first time in person, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this." Yeah. And I remember going to Met Stadium and the first time I saw Reggie playing in right field, it was literally—I'm not kidding—bigger than life. It's like that is that is the Babe Ruth of now yeah. in some ways.
2: Ra- Rami, who was the first baseball player you ever met
1: in person? Do you remember as a kid? I don't. That's a good question. I met more basketball players and football players growing up than I did baseball players because they're they're not they're not as accessible and not I I don't know why it's probably just because of the popularity of those teams but the nineties Bulls. When I was growing up in the Chicago area, it seemed like there was a different autograph signing going on every weekend for one of the '90s Bulls. No kidding, like you could go and meet John Paxson or Scottie Pittman or Steve Kerr, B.J. Armstrong. Like Michael was rare, but I I got to meet Michael Jordan once. Um, football, you you had access to them at training camp. Baseball players, you didn't have a ton of access to, at least not not when I was growing up and where I was growing up. I don't even have, I don't even know if I have one baseball player that I've met. And not not in an official capacity. Now that I've done what I do for a living, I've been in locker rooms, I've been to spring training, I've been on the field when they're taking batting practice, whatever the case might be. But just as a as a fan meeting a player, I don't know that I don't know that that's ever happened. Uh, Al Newman was mine as a kid. Al Newman was the you
2: know Twins utility guy late '80s, early '90s, and then Al became the roly poly third base coach for the contraction Twins in the early two thousands. But I remember as a kid, Al Newman would come back for Twins Fest when they would hold it just in the concourses of the Metrodome. And I've never experienced, and I was probably, I don't know, 9 or 10 years old. Al Newman spent like 5 or 10 minutes asking me about my Little League team, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so Al, Al Newman and then uh, Kirby Puckett, I waited 3 hours in line for Kirby Puckett's autograph one time at Twins Fest in like 1995 or and? something. I, I got it. Yeah. Was that, there anything memorable he, he about the much? experience, or yeah. did he just take the piece of paper, and sign Kirby? it, and move it along? Uh, here, 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 no, he ahead. had been signing for he, he had legit been signing for I think three or four hours, and so there was really no human interaction. He smiled and like like shook hands. Here and you go, or...
5: take your piece of paper.
1: <laughs> I'm always amazed by guys that do autograph signings and give like almost every single person that comes across their table a unique moment. You know what I mean? Like, Killabur do that. They'll pose for a picture for them. They'll talk with them a little bit. Like they, they give them that time and that moment. They know it's special to them. I'm telling you right now, I would not have that kind of patience. I would. There's no way I'd have that kind of patience. I'd be signing things and moving you along, and that's it. <laughs> Keep it moving.
5: Mine? Roy Smalley. Oh, Nicest wow. guy on the face of the earth. Roy Smalley is such a nice guy. Did he
2: break down hitting mechanics with was, you as a kid, just like he does on our show?
5: Man, he was so nice, and he'd sit there and he'd sign. But but the, uh, the, the one story that's told around the Twins a lot, I think to this day by some players... Killebrew. Killebrew actually, who was it? Was it Kadire? Somebody, Killebrew saw somebody when they were a young player quickly scribble an autograph Cuddy. on it was the ball. Yeah. And he's like, young man, that's not how you do it. And Killebrew, if you go back and look at, at baseball signed by Harmon, it's meticulous. And it's such a great story. Yeah, it's something
2: that people like... that's such are, a good point. Athletes are busy, and you might be signing for three, four hours, whatever it is, like at some of these fan festivals, and you just you're just trying to hammer through all the autographs. Yeah. But but you don't think about that next level, where is anyone going to be able to tell what that signature is on that baseball? And
5: Harmon always, you know, a great player took into account that there had to be a respect there between player and fan, which is a great thing. Yeah. Good lesson.
2: So uh, we're sitting here, and we, we miss baseball. We would have been a few days into the twin season. Twins baseball would have been on six out of every seven nights. Hell, we might get baseball... Eight out of seven days. if we Thursday, get we want. Thursday is going to stink. Yeah, that would that's have been the my, home opener on Thursday.
5: That's my day.
2: People roaming around downtown Minneapolis. You know it's going to be nice, right? The weather's been amazing this week so far. I love <laughs> so, that Judd just pushed off the depression
1: for a week. Just push it, just push it back. I'm well, not going to get depressed March 26 about opening too day. early. No, March I'm get depressed about the home opener. The
5: home opener, man. April 2nd is a day when baseball. That's yeah, the home a day when yeah,
2: That's when you get to actually go and crawl around the ballpark for the first time. And we might have like been broadcasting
5: months. from downtown, and then we'd scurry to the ballpark, and it's so much fun in the yeah. festivities. Defending American League Central Division champions, it's going to hit me on Thursday.
2: So here's my next baseball. Since we're we're honoring baseball, we're celebrating baseball, and uh, it's a good time for us just to just to flush it out of our systems here. Which broadcasters do you most identify with in your baseball life? Like who are the who are the sto- the baseball storytellers that that are just etched in your brain from when you were a kid? Rami, you're probably am I Harry Carey?
1: Yeah. Is am I living in a bubble to say that Harry Carey and Steve Stone? are the greatest announcer team that's ever been in a baseball booth, or at least in my lifetime. Like The combination no. of what those that's two guys sure. bring from the from the entertainment and calling the game standpoint of Harry Carey and then Steve Stone. Nobody taught me more about baseball than Steve Stone. The guy would break down the game for you while you were watching it like nobody could. He knew what pitches were coming before the pitchers knew what pitches were coming. That The combination of those two guys in terms of, the entertainment value of it but also the baseball and the education of it i i just i can't imagine now obviously i grew up in chicago watching those two guys i don't have exposure to the whole country but i i can't imagine a broadcast team being better than that and i'm yet to run into one that in my opinion is i'll i'll say it again maybe it's just me in a bubble maybe i can't be subjective about this but it's just hard for me to imagine somebody doing better than that team right there. Uh
5: 1991, the primary Twins TV team was Ted Robinson and Jim Cott. Jim Cott, incredible, too. Absolutely incredible. Still is. Yes. Ninth, and and in, in that era, we had in the North Star broadcast booth for radio, Al Shaver, on Twins games on radio, Herb Carneal, um, and then TV, the crew that I just said with Robinson and Cot, the Wolves had Kevin Harlan. We were blessed, announcer-wise. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Twins, I think if I had to go back and go through Twins broadcasters, although when Herb Carneal had his fastball still, he was really good, I think Ted Robinson and Jim Cot were my favorite team.
2: Yeah, Ted Robinson came back for like 20 games yeah. in what, 2012 or something? Yeah, he 2012 did. or 13? Yes. Um. So I grew up for sure on Herb Carneal, Herb Carneal, longtime Twins radio announcer, but I mostly grew up in the John Gordon and Dick Bramer era and, and Dick and Bert from like the late nineties all the way through now. And Bert's going to do if they play near a full season, which they probably won't, but he was on the slate for 30, but I'm kind of with Rami in that like the, the broadcast crew that I just always loved the most was the WGN Cubs broadcast crew of Harry Carey and Steve Stone. Half the time you couldn't tell if Harry Carey was sober or not. Yep. As a kid, you just thought he was a wacky guy who slurred Gr- his words a little bit. Grudzelonic
5: backwards is still one of my. It took him like three <laughs> innings to do Grudzelonic backwards. That's
2: one of the all-time great ones. <laughs> Exposed Cubs game. But then, like, I do remember when when Harry Carey passed away in 1997, I want to say, and Chip Carey took over. I actually thought Chip Carey was really good taking over for Harry for two or three years, and sure I don't did. know. What, I don't know what happened to Chip, but Chip like. I don't know if, if Chip just, like, peaked when he was caught, 29 bounces. years old or what. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Stone, Steve Stone is still fantastic. A lot of people tweeting in just different things from their baseball childhood uh, here, too. A lot of Ken Griffey Juniors and a lot of Torrey Hunters being tweeted into the show here. Chad tweets in Kirby Puckett, Ken Griffey Jr., and Torrey Hunter. So we basically have the same exact list. Uh, ben says the three players that meant the most to him, Kirby Puckett. Kent Herbeck, because I am left-handed, and that's the only position you can be left-handed in the infield, and Cal Ripken Jr. slash Ken Griffey Jr. as a tie. Andy tweets in the show, at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting, at Jay Zolgad, says, I'm a youngin so Johan Santana, Mariana Rivera, and Ken Griffey Jr. are on his list, so tweet at us, like I said, at Jay Zolgad, at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting.
5: What player did you guys absolutely positively hate the most? I was
1: most? just going to ask that.
5: Because I think this is, I, I saw this today on Twitter, and it's a fun question. What player do you guys, did you guys, especially as a kid when passion means more probably than it does to you as an adult, what player
1: do you hate? Man. Does it have to be a player? No. Because I have a manager, too. I'll give you a player and a manager. Okay. My shock you to know they're both St. Louis Cardinals. It's Albert Pujols and Tony La Russa. Albert Pujols, <laughs> like Albert Pujols, not not a bad guy from what I can tell, but just the what that guy used to do to the Chicago. I think we just lost Robbie. I think we're good now. Are we good now? I'm having mic issues over in my own personal studio. Yeah. We're trying to in figure fact, it all out. Let's do this. Let's oh, do no. This. Are you going to cut? You cut? You're just cut. you cutting me from the show, we're aren't gonna, you? We're going we're to cut you fired. from the segment. Oh, God. <laughs> we're going to cut you from the segment. Oh, man. No, because Co- we Cro- got to
5: hear more about this Cardinal Tatric. Yeah. Right? We will.
1: We will. Coronavirus
2: is having an impact on uh, show think, the show, and Robbie's microphone circuits? is the first thing to go. <laughs> oh, man. So we'll we'll try to get Rami's mic fixed. He is down the hallway in a quarantined off studio. It worked where, fine till now. It was getting a little bit sketchy in the new to two chunks okay. too. Okay.
5: I was gonna say last week was flying colors. Yeah.
2: I mean that it's studio is the Oakland Coliseum of Studios, so the Oakland Coliseum in the Oakland Coliseum of Studios. Um <laughs> By the way, uh, you you saw this same thing come across Twitter, so we're in the middle of this stay-at-home yes, sir. Minnesota, right? Everyone's supposed to be staying at home unless you're going to the grocery store or somewhere essential. And apparently people of Edina just were ignoring it, and so the city of Edina had to, like, double down on an edict.
5: Do we have time, if somebody can call in and tell us, because I'm curious. What is where wrong were they with g- people? But where were they gathering? Yeah. I, like, I'm curious about cul-de-sacs? what? I'm curious what people High-end were doing. Coffee shops That's still what. They, open no, what? seriously. Like, are they going to Starbucks or Caribou that they were gathering there? What What were the Edinaans doing?
2: Ahi tuna food trucks. I'm, I love Edina. But. I do want to know though. Yeah, if, if someone from Edina could call the show and just speak on behalf of your city for apparently, like what were you doing? Ignoring the quarantine order six five one six four six eight two five. Do you think
5: you're domed somehow? Like the germ can't get it. The germs aren't in Dinah.
2: No, well, I mean maybe that's what maybe that's what people think. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we'll come back. A couple things to get to. Let us not forget episode three here at some point before the top of the hour. And uh quarantine discoveries. What are things that we and you guys, the listeners, discovered over the weekend that you wouldn't have otherwise discovered? Could be TV shows. Could be anything that you wouldn't otherwise have discovered if not for just being home a lot more. Plus, ESPN has NFL rankings out, way too early NFL rankings before the draft even. And uh, the Vikings position is a little bit surprising to us. So we'll get to those things too. Mackie and Joe with Rami here on Score North. And the Score North app. And just a quick word we have partnered here at Score North for the Ronald McDonald uh, with the Ronald McDonald Charities of Upper Midwest. And you guys have been donating money over the past week, and we greatly appreciate it. Ronald McDonald House appreciates it even more. It looks like we've raised just under $2,000 so far over the past few days. And that money goes directly to help serve meals and provide essentials to families with hospitalized kids in Minneapolis locations. So even though. Ronald McDonald House had to pause the volunteer program because of COVID-19. They continue to be very essential in the lives of families with hospitalized kids. Meals, laundry, other essentials, you name it. Here's how you can donate. And by the way, anyone who donates is eligible to win a signed Luis Arise autographed, a signed and autographed at the same time. It's it's signed and it's autographed. Uh, A jersey from Luis Arise, whose favorite charity is, is Ronald McDonald House. Just go to scorenorth.com keyword donate. That's scorenorth.com keyword donate. And uh, you can, whether it's $5 or $500, you can make a pretty big impact during this crazy time of need. Mackie and Joe with Rami here on Score North.
0: Jonathan here with the Score North download. A deal we have on over on scorenorth.com at the website right now. Hold your wedding for 125 people in the Grand Atrium at the DoubleTree in Downtown St. Paul for as little as $4500. This $15,000 package includes full room setup and tear down for ceremony, dinner and dance along with an on-site catering team to service the meal and assist the wedding party all day. For complete details and to place your bid on this once in a lifetime discount, visit scorenorth.com keyword wedding also over at scorenorth dot com right now. Judd Zolgad has a new series called Let's Make a Deal talking about five trades the Vikings felt forced to make at the time, starting off with Randy Moss and Fran Tarkenton, the first two in that series of five trades that the Vikings were felt forced to make at the time. Also, Matthew Collar has an article with a list of veteran pass rushers the Vikings could target in free agency as a replacement for Everson Griffin. Again, that's all for free over at the thescorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. That's been your Score North download. Now, back Back to Mackie and
2: Jonathan Rami. All right, testing one two testing Rami's microphone. Hello, one hello. two three check
1: check, check. one two three check. We're still Ooh. having issues. aren't we? Hey, yeah, we're still having.
2: issues. It's still somewhat suspect. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Should I just go home? What do we? What Should are we, we risk do? it? What are we gonna do? Should we just risk it? Can you can you check to see if still around there, Jonathan? We'll it. I just saw also it there the is a, there is a second microphone in there. You could try this, the the other microphone.
1: Oh, there is a second one. Hang on one sec. I'll be try, right back. You have to turn the microphone on there. <laughs> Thanks. <Yep>. Appreciate it. <laughs> Only been in radio seventeen years. I have okay. to turn the mic on. That Thank red
2: you. button's
5: important, Rami. Don't dismiss the red button.
2: <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I want to hear his player. He player and manager. He. I want to know why silenced. he hates Tony Larusa. And oh, this is amazing, by the way. We're watching this on camera. He's trying to get this microphone over the top of this streaming computer. <laughs> no, oh, this no. Is great. oh no i don't i don't know you can watch this charade happening right now on score North twitter facebook Good and talk? twitch if you want to see Romney just scrambling over the top of computers to try and get a working microphone
1: hello check check one yeah, two all right go. there we go I'm going to have to stand hunched over the board the rest of the show, but <laughs> you get, we can do this. I think you
2: can pull that chair around back and just use your computer.
1: Then to you won't see up. me. Yeah, well, use your, use your computer. I'll just use the camera on my computer. All right. There you go. Okay. But for
2: this segment, it'll be
1: hilarious to watch you try and get through I'm the
2: gonna, next 25
1: minutes. of I'm going to cram so myself into the corner of this studio, guys. I'll be back How in just one second. How uncomfortable is that? Sec. Oh, super uncomfortable, Judd, but <laughs> okay. a, take one for the team. You know, I'm a team player over here. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> All right, go ahead.
2: Do your thing there. Do your thing there. Rami Maclaff. Um all right, player player you hated the most, Judd Zulgad. Baseball player you hated the most growing up or manager or whatever. Was there a villain in your mind that you just couldn't stand?
5: Um probably well the twin first of all to be clear when, when I was in the peak of my fandom, the Twins basically stunk, right? So the Twins stinking makes it hard to hate as much because it's hard to have actual rivals when your team is no good. Um, all of that being said, do you know who was was menacing? In fact, there were two guys who were closers. One for the Royals, Al Herboski.
2: Oh, the uh, the the Hungarian, yeah.
5: And then Goose Gossage okay. for the Yankees. They were menacing, bearded, um, heavy breathing, spitting. When you're a kid, you're like, I really don't like that guy. So th- those were probably my two. But my great regret, and, and in fact, I don't, I didn't really have this until the North Stars played the Blackhawks. When the North Stars got good, was a rivalry to truly hate. You know, sports hate is hard when your team stinks. But those two were probably the most menacing, scary um, type of type of baseball players when I was eight or nine years
2: old. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the, like you said, your team has to be good for you to develop hatred. And unfortunately for me, the Twins became terrible in like 1994 or 93. And that's when I was eight or nine years old. So really there was no, the Twins didn't have any rivals until probably the White Sox in the early 2000s. Yep. So I would say that the team was probably the White Sox yep. in like 2001, 2002, thousand two, three. A little bit Cleveland Indians too, because the Indians had a stacked roster in... 2001, when they overtook the Twins, but this is going to sound crazy, but actually the the player that I couldn't stand the most was, uh, it was actually Jorge Posada. I don't know why. I just like, I remember those Yankees teams being really good in 2003-04, <laughs> really and I just remember having an irrational dislike for Jorge Posada, and okay. I, I don't know if it was like the hip-hip Jorge, like, I just didn't like the Yankees because they always beat Not up on the Gita? Twins. No, I, I we always all hated Jeter. I, I always found the Jeter hate to be odd. The Jeter hate. We hate him because he's really good, or but then again, I hated Jorge Posada for no reason, so I fell into the same trap.
5: The Jeter hate in this town is my biggest I don't get hate of the Minnesota sports fan of all time. Yeah, I've never understood it. Like for the life of me, I tried to be like, okay, okay, the Yankees are good. Jeter's good. I get that. But is he really hateable? Like does he do anything? He became
2: he... much more hateable after he stopped playing baseball. Absolutely. Well, now you he's know, a jerk. When, when he went to the Marlins and just basically uh, But when took he played, everyone.
5: but when he would come here and play, I always found the Presinsky hate to be misguided, but I understood that it was easy to
1: hate him.
2: I think we got Rami back, by I the way. I think we're
1: good, guys. Oh, you have so you, no idea what we just went through in dude, here. Dude,
2: you've never sounded more crystal clear right So now. I
1: went around to the other side of the console. No, headfo- no head j- headphone jack that worked back there. So I had to come back around to the front side of the console, <laughs> and as we were maneuvering microphones and monitors to get this mic in position that I could you know, sit comfortably for the rest of the show and participate, uh, as I was moving the other mic I was using before that doesn't work, it just fell right off the stand. <laughs> The microphone <laughs> fell clear off the stand, knocked over by coffee bug. Luckily, it was empty. If you guys could see what's going on in here right now to make this possible, you would be I, slightly amazed and just for and by Rami, the way, thanks to Jonathan for the major assist
2: so just for Rami and the audience, the room that Rami is broadcasting in here is the oldest side production studio so I've been here as of last week for ten years, so in my in my ten years here and that and that room was old ten years ago, all right. In the 10 years I've been here, that room has been used for two things. Grabbing sound off computer like go to go to the internet, grab some sound and put it into the system and like dub stuff in, you know the little drops and highlights you find on the show, right? And Rookie from the Garage Logic podcast storing junk. That's what that room is oh, nice.
1: for. I'm in Rookie's junk closet. Oh, That's great. Anymore, it's not. Thanks, guys. No, it's, you're good it now. It used to be incredible.
5: I mean, appreciate there it. Might be,
2: there might be a rogue file cabinet in there with a couple of well, things. but I found it, it last week. Is. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it's it's got locked most it. of the time. So, But the fact that we've not even tricked week, that anymore, thing up not. to be broadcast ready <laughs> is pretty <laughs> Got a lot of time. But I mean, here, I guys. applaud your stick to a niff. Thank you. Thank you, Judley. All right. So tell us why you have so much hatred for Albert Pujols. So Albert Pujols.
1: As I was saying before my mic cut out, Albert Pujols. It's not anything personal. Seems like a fine enough person, human being outside of baseball. But just that's purely performance based. It seemed like every time that guy got a bat in his hands and got in the batter's box against the Cubs, especially in a big spot where they needed a big hit or a big home run, the dude would deliver it. And I just hated him for it every time. Every time that he did for doing it and for wearing the uniform that he did while he was doing it cuz after the cardinals right and the other guy is also a cardinal and that's Tony Larusa do i need to tell you why i can't that, stand uh, yeah. tony larusa in every way in every way shape and form baseball and otherwise he's just not a good person listen he's a he's a cat lover okay he's i can't a, i can't hate tony larusa he's tony a cat tony La
5: larusa seems like a first class jerk
1: he's a ter- he's not a good person he he's bad for baseball and uh, he can pet go straight for, to hell and he will he will someday go straight to hell is what I'm expecting for Tony Larusa, <laughs> write that down. Tony Larusa, Tony Larusa is going to hell.
5: Single-handedly got Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, and Harold Baines is a nice baseball player.
2: And you guys want him to go to hell? He got someone in the Hall but of Fame, but it might be the biggest miscarriage of Hall of Fame justice ever done. Yeah, but that's not Tony La Russa's fault. Yeah, he's, it just, is, he's just vouching for
1: he a player sat that he sat on likes. that
5: committee and ramrodded Harold right into a place where Paul has no
2: business.
1: So I'm Team Rami on this. Tony La Russa sat back at every stop of his managing career and looked the other way at steroids, and it's the only reason he ever had any success in his career as a manager. Well, so did Bud Selig. Well, let me ask you this about hell, okay? Do the pitchers
2: bet eighth in hell? Can we confirm that? Because Tony I think LaRusso will be yeah, I think just do. fine then. I Everybody
5: moves the guy from second to third by grounding out to second. Is that second
1: quantifiable? Place. If I say write that down, Tony is going to hell. Is that, is no. that quantifiable? No, that's no? very much All like right. he's not the man. Know. Do you have a way of going there
0: and reporting back for us? I might have a source. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your source can tell us, then yes, that's quantifiable.
2: <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it is time. This is a Rami Makhlouf brainchild <laughs> segment here. So we're going to throw it to Rami to start us off here. Uh, It is time for another edition of Let Us Not Forget. We are in the middle of this crazy period here in America, in Minnesota, and the sports world came to a stop two or three weeks ago. That doesn't mean that we should just blow off and forget certain things. Like other things that have been featured on this segment, the Houston Astros still have a bunch of yahoos that deserve to be hit with pitches, right?
1: Today would have been their first first road game, by the way. Would have been the first game where they would have gone and... With all the heckles and the boos and the signs and people banging on trash cans. Oh, man, I can't wait to get baseball back up and going. That's one of the things I was most looking forward to this season. I'm not even going to lie. I'm still looking forward to it. It's still going to happen. It's, it's going to be so great. So
2: why don't you start us off? Let us not forget.
1: Rami. Let us not forget, gentlemen. <laughs> let us not forget that the Minnesota Twins, rather than hashtag think big and hashtag bring Mookie to Mini. Instead, decided to think small and instead facilitate the Dodgers in their quest to get Mookie Best, the second best player in all of baseball. And in the process of doing so, gave up their number one pitching prospect and one of the better pieces that they had to move, something that could have been a part of a deal to get Mookie Betts or perhaps just a bullet to keep in in the revolver for another trade somewhere down the road to get a bigger, better piece than a middle-of-the-road pitcher, which is what they got in Kenta And let us not forget, gentlemen, that even when given a chance to back out of that deal because of the Red Sox shenanigans of pointing at things in Star Gratterall's physical that they already knew about, the Twins, rather than pulling out and keeping Bruce Star Gratterall for a bigger, better trade somewhere down the line, decided, no, let's, let's keep helping the Boston Red Sox and the Los Angeles Dodgers get done what they need to get done and still went through the trade. And let us not forget, gentlemen, that Bruce Star Gratterall was lighting up radar guns to the tune of triple digits consistently throughout spring training before COVID-19 brought that and the rest of the sports world to its knees. Let us not forget, gentlemen, that the Minnesota Twins traded one of their best prospects for, at best, a three-starter in a good rotation. Let us not forget.
2: And let us not forget, even with all of that over-the-top negativity, the Twins are still going to win the division and play in the World Series. And they will still add pieces to their puzzle as the season progresses.
1: We'll see about that.
5: I got two things quick. Let us not forget that if the Twins had made the trade that Rami wants and there is a fighting chance that the MLB season is going to be canceled, that Mookie Betts would have walked as a free agent and Derek Valvey and Thad Levine would have been absolutely torched, rightfully so, for acquiring a guy who never put on the jersey in a regular season game. Because as the way, as things are going right now, there should be no assumption that there's going to be a season. But I'm not done because I want to tell us, tell the listeners and, uh, Phil and Jonathan, not so much Rami. Let us not forget that we still work with the guy trying to push the agenda for having a roof on target field when it's absolute perfection. And let us not forget, too, there is one flaw to the tweet I saw from you this weekend, Mr. Rami, and it's very simple. A neutral site World Series means everybody plays at a neutral site. So when they declare this thing to be played out west or down south, if we're, let's say, going to have a World Series on December 1 or maybe December 24, there might be a game... No Northern, t- or no team can host a World Series game. So if the Twins lose home games, the team they're playing, let's say it's the Brewers Twins. Nobody gets home games because so gonna... you can't have one team. So let us not forget that Major League Baseball, in declaring a neutral site World Series, which, by the way, intrigues me, is going to have to move everybody to neutral sites, not have, not punish the Twins by saying that the Brewers can play in AmFam, Miller, Fab- Fabulous, whatever the hell park they're calling that. Everybody will move to either Miami, Tampa, or Los Angeles.
1: So th- they're not going to name the sites ahead of time, and the series will just be played where the s- at those sites? They're going to move them based on who makes the playoffs?
5: A neutral site World Series, if you go th- that route, would have to take everybody to stadiums that don't give home games. So you could not play a Brewers-Twins World be Series now. With,
1: with multiple locations, obviously, but like the Super Bowl, where they would say ahead of time, okay, we'll be playing them at... Chase Field in Arizona, Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Oh, that's possible. You know, right, but there's enough. But like, the
5: Twins can't. But they can't tell the Twins you can't have home games, and the Brewers can. So everybody gets moved, which yeah. I'm
2: actually intrigued by. Plus, think about how many how many retractable roof and or warm weather stadiums and locations there are. There's plenty of them. You'd want to pick like the four best, which would immediately rule out Miller Park in Milwaukee. But I digress. I don't know if
1: you guys saw, but it was just voted the best. <laughs> okay, what, can we talk about that? Baseball? What was that? What was that? I don't know, man. Publication. The people have spoken. The High Times. Yeah, it must have been. No, I think it was Fox Sports actually. But they Dude, were just
2: high when in they did that it? in that bracket. Okay, listen. If we're if if this is if if this is how America feels, then all right. I, it wouldn't be the first time that I didn't have my finger on the pulse of what America thought. Okay, but if America thinks throughout that bracket, so. Yes. The first round, Miller Park beat Target Field. All right, whatever. Like we'll take the L. Whatever. Like we like skylines. Rami likes games being played on schedule. That's fine. Whatever. But then throughout the rest of that bracket, yep. Miller Park took down Wrigley Field. Yep. For one. Yep. Also took down Dodger Stadium, which just for like the seventy-five degree guaranteed outdoor setting alone, I mean, which Is has there, just been redone. Okay,
1: Wrigley Field and Target yeah. Field. Now come may- on now. Maybe I'm missing something here, but I've never been there on TV. There's nothing to Dodger Stadium. Like I know it's been around for a long time, but it just looks like yeah an Erector set. You know, kind of a, a bowl stadium with a baseball field in the middle. I don't. I don't get the Dodger Stadium infatuation. Is there something special to it? Have you guys N- been there?
5: I've never been there. I've been there a couple times. Yeah, it's nice. No, it, it's, but it's uh, mostly
1: just like you're in
2: Los Angeles and it's 80 degrees all yeah. the time. And it's sunny. And no, games give me Miller Park, man.
5: Thing. Yeah, that was a weird. That you was got very Bernie weird. going down the slide. But it's mm. the wrong slide. The Bernie County Stadium slide into the beer mug was awesome. The new slide,
1: he should slide into a beer mug.
5: And you know why he doesn't? Because it's to the two thousands, and we can't have
1: that. Right, but Joe encourages I, alcoholism. And blah, yeah,
5: blah, blah, blah. you know what I gotta say? Wait,
1: these days. Get off
5: my back when it
1: comes to drinking yeah. too much. And your team name is the Brewers. Like if you're trying to get yeah. away from it, get away from it, dude. Like the Washington. No, Bullets, don't suggest that. The Washington Bullets changed their name. They're like, we don't want to be don't, associated Rami, with gun violence. Don't give ideas. Let's change our name. Wait a second. You're right. Don't
2: give ideas. Bernie Brewer can't slide down the slide anymore because it's promoting alcoholism. Well, that's
1: where Wisconsin's I mean, that's the drawing only, the line on the alcohol. Only, that's the only thing I can. In County, can come sta- up with in
5: county Stadium. The the scoreboard and the slide was in right field, and he would slide right down into a big beer mug. It was awesome. Now it's this. I don't know. It looks like a kid's slide, right? Yeah, it's just, it's the there's big just slide. a
1: landing. There's just a big yellow slide, and he lands on a landing and just all I know quickly.
5: Nineteen ninety one, I believe, or was it ninety? I'm at a Brewers game, a Brewers Royals game, with a buddy who went to school in Madison. I kid you not. There's one out or two outs in the ninth. Okay. Brewers are about to close out the game and win. And a beer guy comes through. This is in the ninth with two outs. Last call. Last call for alcohol. Is that even legal? No, not anymore. It's not. But in 1990 or 91, it must have been. I think it's
2: like the top of the seventh inning now, right? But I
5: said to my friend, I'm like, so we could take one for the road?
2: Like, (laughs) there's two
0: outs.
5: There might have been two strikes.
2: Classic Wisconsin. Anyway, I digress. Sorry. All right. All right. Let us not forget, I'm gonna take a page from Judge Zolgad's book here, okay? Let us not forget the Minnesota Wild are on the verge of having perhaps the best one two punch combination that they've ever had in franchise history in Kaprazoff and Fiala. And now now Kaprizov wasn't gonna come up and contribute to the last few weeks of this season, but let us not forget, with NHL season grinding to a halt, and if it if they don't go back and play regular season games, the Wild will be on the outside looking in. I believe they would not be in playoff position, Correct. right? They're like a point out of the eighth seed. But yep. let us not forget that 2020-21 oh. is quickly becoming something to look forward to, unless unless Kaprizov can't come over to the United States because of hopefully he quarantines. Does. But we'll see.
5: Fire up the song, man! If you're going to go to that direction, which
2: well, oh the uh, the
5: Wild song. I mean, you're going to go that positive about the Wild? I'm going pretty positive. That's really positive. That's great. I applaud you for that It's the most positive I'm going to play this one yeah, there you go. Fitting This was the official Mackie and Judd wild song
2: It eventually did get played At the winter Not the winter classic But the knockoff winter the classic stadium whatever series. it was. Yeah
5: But we wish it was A winter classic But it's not So we'll just play outdoors
2: And seriously, like I mean they have to worry About the rest of their Roster in depth too But like uh,
5: Listen We need all the positivity We can get these days Phil No no You can stop that I like that one. Oh no, 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 that's 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 the goal song. It's
1: uh. the I like that a lot. Fire that again, Mackie. Oh yeah. Why don't you take this to Miller Park?
2: (laughs) Genericville. Yeah, exactly.
5: Hey, play play the guitar for a while, and we'll make that that. our goal song. (laughs) Genericville. Anyway, that's a good point. I like it. So,
2: anyhow. that's uh, Let us not forget. We're going to do that every Monday, just so we don't forget about important things in the sports world that uh, maybe we would have forgotten about because sports came to a halt a few weeks ago. As Jonathan alluded to in his download a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. Judd Zolgad has a column slash series on scorenorth.com called Let's Make a Deal, and you are going through trades that the Vikings were essentially forced to make for one reason— or another. Give us, you have two examples, I believe, on today's version of the article. Football. Yes, sir. Give us, uh, actually, give us your give us your top one right now, trade that the Vikings were forced to make, and your overall take on it. So, it, it's
5: five-part series, as you just said, with uh, Fran Tarkington being part two. We are two parts in, but the one that I revisited on Sunday and posted, and you can find right now, scorenorth.com, in the center of the website is the Randy Moss trade. Now, Randy Moss, this is a little bit confusing because he did not request a trade. There, are, there have been several reasons, and I'm talking about 2005, obviously not the coming back in 2010, which was just a debacle. But in 2005, um, McCombs was on the precipice of selling the team. People in the know thought that he traded Moss because even though the trade came right before he sold the team, that he was concerned that he was going to have to pay part of the freight on Moss and wouldn't do it. McCombs, of course, years after that came out and said, oh, no, no, that had nothing to do with why we traded Moss. We did it because I felt that he had lost the veterans in our locker room. As if Moss, oh, he can't play anymore, which is ridiculous, or there's no respect. It was basically probably a time for a potential divorce. But I will say, if you go back and read what I've wrote, uh, written right now about the two pieces that are posted, the Tarkington trade worked out great. Tarkington came back here. The Vikings got a ton of draft picks. Great trade. The Moss trade couldn't have been worse. Because Moss did not go to Oakland and have great success. So it's not like he burned burned you there. He obviously then got traded for, this is unbelievable, Oakland traded him in 2007, boys, for a fourth-round pick. A fourth round to,
2: to the Pats, to the, to yeah. the
5: Patriots. He caught twenty what three touchdowns. The Patriot, or the Patriots gave up a fourth round pick of a guy that played like two games in the National Football League in his entire career. But the Vikings got the Vikings got decent compensation for Moss. It's what they did with that compensation. Seventh overall pick in the two thousand five draft, Troy Williamson, who was supposed to replace Randy, and it was going to be fantastic. And clearly, that didn't come close to working. And Troy was terrible and. Uh, landed in Jacksonville eventually. They got a seventh-round pick in the 2005 draft, which they turned into a defensive back, Adrian Ward, as a seventh-round pick. He yeah. didn't play it down for them. But the best player that they got back in that trade, Napoleon Harris, the linebacker. And he wasn't exactly great.
2: No, he was not. Well, I think the biggest lesson to learn from the Randy Moss trade of 2005 is oftentimes when you trade, and, and this is the lesson that they can learn right now for this upcoming draft in one month, when you trade a star wide receiver like that, your first instinct is, well, okay, we had to make the trade, but now we got to find someone to take that player's spot. And I think your your first instinct is to use your first round pick in the next draft to just fill that player's spot. Mm-hmm. And if the I'd have to go back and look and see like what some of the other options were, but I know that like there are pro bowlers up and down that the Vikings could have had later in the first round or second round. And they decided, Now we just we got rid of a fast, amazing wide receiver. We need to find the next fast, amazing wide receiver. And they reached on Troy Williamson. How obligated in your guys' mind, and the Vikings do need a wide receiver, just like they did in 2005. How obligated should the Vikings feel to fill Stefan Diggs' spot in the first round of the draft? They have two picks, so it's easier than... You no, know, the Vikings also had two picks in 2005, right? Because they drafted uh, Erasmus, James. Erasmus James with the other yeah. one.
3: But how, Rogers. How, how
2: obligated should they feel to pick a wide receiver in the first round, or should they learn from what happened fifteen years ago?
1: You need—I mean, you need wide receivers. You just need bodies at the wide receiver position at this point, and you're not—you're not, you're not going to replace. Stefan Diggs that's just not going to happen but maybe that's the lesson to be learned from the Randy Moss trade is that don't don't go chasing greatness you know what i mean you're you're not going to find and another Randy Moss or waterfalls and you're not you're not going to find another Stephon Diggs at least <laughs> not somebody who's going to do what Stephon Diggs was going to do this year. Nobody's going to replace that production at the wide receiver position. It's not out there in the free agent market. I don't see a trade that's out there of a guy who could do what Stephon Diggs can do. And rookies almost never have that type of impact at the wide receiver position or anywhere else. So if you're looking to replace Stephon Diggs' production at the wide receiver position, no, you're going to be chasing waterfalls, Mackie. That's exactly what you're going to be doing if you're trying to replace Stephon Diggs. But easy left eye. You have to, you have to. You have to make up for his loss at the wide receiver position and elsewhere. So that means maybe you improve the offensive line. Maybe the defense is better next year than it was in 2019. You need to make up for the value of Stephon Diggs on on your roster, but spread throughout the rest of the roster. There is no one guy you're going to bring in here who's going to replace Stephon Diggs. It's just not going to happen.
5: So the thing that I saw that scared me in the mock draft that we did last week, I believe, and this is the Williamson to me biggest takeaway. Who was the guy? And I believe it was a twenty-two that we did a mock draft last week that we read that said somebody's stock had climbed significantly because of yeah. his performance at the combine. <laughs> Putting together the pieces of the of the puzzle. Okay, I traded away great player at said position. So, oh my gosh, I got to find that type of guy, and then. Where the puzzle gets extremely dangerous is, and did you see the combine workout of this guy? I mean, I think he's a good football player, but what an athlete! And that's where you go incredibly wrong. I never, ever, ever want to see again a guy that you've scouted and then say, "Well, we scouted him and he was pretty good," but then when we saw the combine, yeah. So, Phil, I, I would say that the the Williamson lesson off the Moss trade is equally. Falling in love with a guy because did you see that speed? Because straight line speed in this league, I'm not saying it's not important, period, but it gets way overdone.
2: It does. Stefan Diggs even tweeted last week, and it was one of his rare non- cryptic tweets that ability to get separation is more important than straight line speed. Yes. And so, like, I don't really care about your forty time because even if you are in a position to run as fast as you can, how how often is that going to happen where a football is headed in your direction as a wide receiver and you're running as fast as you can? 651 Andrew and Annandale, you're on the show. What's up, Andrew? You're on with Mackie Judd and Rami.
4: Hello, gentlemen. So, you
5: guys were talking uh, a few minutes ago, and Phil and all of you reminded me of a little anecdote that you will enjoy, Phil. So, many years ago, I had a friend that lived in Milwaukee, and uh, we went down there for a WWE show at the old Bradley Center. And we had nosebleed seats. But we, being stupid young guys, thought, all right, let's make a bunch of
4: signs, right? Signs for nosebleed seats. But one particular sign got a ton of attention by the crowd. So here
5: we are, a bunch of guys sitting up in the nosebleeds with a giant sign that says, Milwaukee, land of beer and fat chicks. (laughs) (laughs) Every every fan we encountered agreed with it.
2: So <laughs> amazing, dude. Did you, did it get on TV? No, we were nosebleeds. There's no cameras up there. I mean, sometimes that's, they that's might. why it was, sometimes it was stupid to make signs, but at least it gets attention from the crowd. For sure. man. You're still talking about it. Yep. Andrew, thanks for yep, calling. Absolutely. Man. Appreciate you sharing your, sharing your story. Quar- quarantine uh, stories. Welcome here on Mackie, Judd and Rami. Six, five, one, six, four, six, eight, two, five, five. So uh, when are you going to post the next trade that the Vikings we're forced to make. On tomorrow,
5: tomorrow, Percy Harvin to Seattle. Mm. I'm going to tell you right now that by the time I get the, the three posted, the Tarkington and Percy trades, the Vikings did really well.
2: We'll talk about that on tomorrow's Mackie and Joe with Rami show as well because that's, that's a a fun series to flush out. But, gentlemen, when we come back here, quarantine discoveries from the weekend. <laughs> it can be anything. It can be shows that you discovered. It can be things around your place that you just things that you discovered in life because you're sitting at home a lot more often here during coronavirus quarantine as we try to inform and entertain you as much as we can here during these crazy times 651-646-8255 it's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app
0: the American Red Cross continues to face a severe blood shortage due to the coronavirus pandemic healthy blood and platelet donors are are asked to please give now. Donating blood is safe, and blood banks remain open across all the Twin Cities metro. To schedule an appointment, visit scorenorth.com, keyword red, to learn more and give
2: blood.
4: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios.
2: TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Welcome in, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hour two here on this Monday, and we launched the third edition of the Mackie and Judd with Rami Happy Hour last night, the Quarantine Happy Hour, a live stream, and I believe we're going to settle in doing it three nights a week. We're working on some different plans to do various live video streams on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch that will span seven days, and Mackie and Judd with Rami Quarantine Happy Hour is going to be part of that. I know Judd launched Evening Judd Live Edition last week. On Thursday, which was good. I talked for too long though.
5: It's fifty minutes—that's so too long. Fifty? Was it just 5-0? you in an, in an
2: empty room by no. the end of it?
5: Well, I, I had a bunch of sports cards and stuff, and I mean, I was showing stuff, but I looked at the time. I'm like, I shouldn't have gone fifty minutes.
2: That didn't make yeah, sense. It's just, it's it's just Judd, like, Judd with like two baseball cards having a conversation. And, like, <laughs> three people. In the premise not wrong. <laughs> it's, I'm Gary Sheffield, and I'm Andy Van I'm Rich
5: Becker, and I'd like to apologize for being such a disappointment
2: um so keep an eye out on Scornorth North Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch for nighttime live video streams and content because we know that a lot of you are just hanging out at home and there's no live sports and that you can only you can only watch so many other things before you uh before you run out of options, so maybe maybe you can jump in on some of our streams, but that brings us to our weekly installment gentlemen of Quarantine Discoveries. And we'll start with Rami on this one. We kicked a couple of these around last night where we actually we invited a random listener to our live video stream last night, Soren. That was super fun having him on board. And we're going we're gonna to continue to invite listeners and social media followers into these live streams so you can come hang with us. We can ask you deeply personal questions about your life and your background and uh, have a good time and throw a couple drinks back. But Rami, what are one or two things this weekend that you discovered your quarantine discoveries
1: that you wouldn't otherwise have discovered if not for sitting at home a lot more often they're not new things these aren't things that are new to me um but i i finally finished off tiger king i was yes. three episodes into that finally finished it off and wow like every every episode you're like this can't get any wackier and it does like they it outdoes itself every episode it, and it's
2: joe dirt meets making a murderer on netflix <laughs> That's with, what it is. Okay. With
1: with an element of country music to it.
2: <laughs> Which, by the way... Is it good? I was disappointed. If, uh, the country music, albeit very corny, was not terrible
1: relative singing, to country music. Wh- like, you guys know I have a phobia to country music, but the singing... Objectively speaking, is real. It's not that bad. Yeah, Joe Exotic is the main character here with
2: the mullet and can't the be weird him singing, goatee. Right?
1: It's not. That can't be him. It's, singing. That's for it's sure not, not him. Singing. No,
2: someone. There's an article that was floating around social media that he mostly just like lip synced and sort of faintly sang over the top of somebody else's voice. But they did all these corny music videos where he's like, he's like starring in a country love song with his you know, white tiger pet. And, it's and then there's the one that he
1: wrote about his enemy who allegedly killed her husband and fed him to the tigers. He wrote a song all about that, all about her killing her husband and feeding him to the tigers. And it is hmm. amazing. It's real. I mean, it is really something you got if you haven't seen it. And today, Collar and Declan were like, you know, whenever everybody is talking about something, I almost go out of my way not to watch it. And I'm telling you, if you're one of those people, let it go for Tiger King You'll be happy you did. I told Collar and Declan, I want to talk about it on Score North Live. I said, watch two episodes. If you're not in after two episodes, bail. But I don't think there's any way you watch two episodes of that, especially with the little cliffhanger that they give you for episode three. There's no way you watch two episodes of that and bail. There's just no way. And I don't want to be around you if you're the type of person who would bail on that show after only two episodes. The other thing is, I fell back like i don't know 3 4 seasons on modern family which i used to love and i would wait for it to air every week and somehow some way i don't know i just I, I just fell out of my habits my tv watching habits and the more that it piled up the more i was like man i will just never catch up with modern family i guess i'm just done with modern family but with this break and with not much else to do i watched an entire season of modern family over the weekend and i have two more to go before i'm all caught up with uh, what's currently the final season
2: uh, Judge, look at your quarantine discoveries. Because I think what Rami just brought up sort of dovetails into a problem that you've been having. Yeah, I was going to say,
5: full candidness. I realized. Well, I thought this about myself, but until the last seven to seventeen days, it didn't matter. I'm a. How can I put this? I'm a terrible binge watcher. I can't do it. I don't. I don't know if it's not the patience or what.
2: You can't. I, well, you just can't pull the trigger. Well, or, no, no. I start. You're like Kevin Na.
5: I start to binge. The golfer guy who I, can't. I start to binge, and then I can't continue to binge. So a week what, ago what, Sunday,
1: do you get bored? Do you get restless? What I happened? get restless,
5: and a, a week ago Sunday, Dawn and I started to binge. Is it Frank and Gracie? That's a great show. Which is a fantastic show. Yeah, on Netflix. Mom, Martin Martin show. Sheen. Yeah, I got through season one. Okay, I got through season one, and then I was just sort of done. And so Dawn watched season two. She watched into season three. I watched a couple a couple days after from season three. I liked it, but I can't keep going. I'm just, I'm not good so do at you So
2: do you just lose, but well, when you say you're not good at I lose binging.
5: focus. I, I don't have the, I don't have what it takes to sit there long enough to continue to come back unless I absolutely love the
1: show. Do you find that you have a time limit? Yeah, like, but is it after two hours, I don't know what it is. At what point are you out? I don't know.
5: I can't tell you. I just know when it's time for me to stop.
2: I feel like we need to enter into a Mackie and Judd with Rami therapy session here because I sense that Judd's looking for some answers here, and Rami has vast experience yeah. as a binge TV but watcher. I don't, I don't
1: know that, like, you know how they say Michael Jordan could never coach? You know because he it just came naturally. Ted Williams couldn't like, manage. the greatness. Wow. The greatness of Mike. He can't he can't walk How do you on, keep going? He can't walk onto a court and be like be great. You know what I mean? That just that just doesn't work. Are like, you calling
2: yourself the Michael Jordan of say, TV binge
1: watching? Yeah, 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 I am. You're really comparing yourself to Do yeah, you guys here. you guys didn't just hear that? There aren't many things that I can call myself the Michael Jordan of uh binge watching is maybe the one. And so yeah, I'm going to make that comparison, okay, guys.
2: what is your Michael Jordan flu game equivalent then?
1: Um. Of, okay. When I fr- the very when I ver when I first got Netflix, I hadn't watched Breaking Bad at all. I was and they were about to start the last season, okay. and I was on Christmas break, so I had like four or five days of no work, no nothing. I wasn't going anywhere. I was just just had time off of work. I went through the entire run of Breaking Bad in I don't like probably five six days tops. Tops. I went through the entire series. Is that the show that that you would recommend the most to people? If the, if there's sort of a blank canvas. there I watch you that one? The, the, they, were, they were starting, try try. They were starting the final Bad. season, and I watched. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I caught up to all four. I think it was five seasons in total. Was it five or six seasons? I don't know. That I've, I've, I've never six, seen one six, episode six of Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. Wow, you Judge. you've out. never seen Breaking Bad?
5: I've seen... I've seen snippets and bits, but I've never watched full episodes. And, and it's between that and the Wire, as it's, far as me trying to break my my struggles with binging.
1: It's quite possibly the greatest show ever. Yeah, and I don't say that lightly. Better than the Wire? I don't throw that out there. I I, I haven't I haven't watched the Wire all the way through. I think I got like four or five episodes into the Wire and got distracted and move on to something else. It's better than Family Matters, too. Well, then you're not Jordan. It's better than yeah. It's better. Well, you than got distracted.
5: No, no, no. You're not Jordan then.
1: No, I just it didn't it didn't You're grab pipping. me. You're and pipping. It, You're okay. Even Collar told me that like it's a really <laughs> it's a really slow burn on the wire. Like it it doesn't hook you in till the fourth season. And if you if I'm not hooked in until the fourth season, that's your fault. That's not my fault. <laughs> All right. But I'm t- I don't I don't wow. think it's, like, it's like the Timberwolves. <laughs> exactly. He's <really. Robby's laughs> pointing fingers at why he's not the jo- or why blaming other people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know Jimmy that Ballard. I can. I don't know that I can impart any wisdom on how to binge watch. What what I would say, Judd is. I'll I'll give you the same advice that I give people when they ask me for weight loss advice, because I lost a bunch of weight a few years back. Start slow, man. Start slow. A lot of people, they just want to jump right into the gym and do, like, an hour hardcore workout, and then they can't walk the next day, and they never go back and work out again. If you're not a binge watcher, yep. if if this isn't normal practice for you, I'd say start slow. Watch, like two episodes of something, then take a break. Maybe go watch something else or go through your baseball cards or go for a walk. Come back, watch three episodes I, and build up build up the muscle memory for binge watching is the advice that I would give you. I, I would say uh, to add to Rami's advice here, and Rami is a more seasoned
2: TV binge watcher than I am, but I've done some damage in my day as well. And I've gone through a couple entire seasons already in the last two weeks of quarantine, one of them being Tiger King. Um, so Grace and Frankie is a good show. But it's like, you can kind of jump in whenever, like, I've missed two full seasons of that show, jump in in season five, whatever. Okay. You need a show that has a great cliffhanger at the end of every episode yes. so that it gets to the end of the episode oh, and you're okay. like, like okay. oh my God, it's like yeah. like every episode, I'm like going to keep turning this to sports analogies. It would be like if every episode ended with overtime in a playoff hockey game and you're like, well, I need the next episode, right? If Yeah. If regulation ends and the next episode is overtime of the Stanley Cup playoffs game six. And that's why, unless you've seen this already, my recommendation for you would be go back to like 2001 or it might have been like 99 or 2000. Yep. Kiefer Sutherland, the first two seasons of 24. absolutely. Have you ever seen the show 24? I know of it. I've never watched it before. Oh, I've man. never been more
1: hooked on a show. Really? And, and I didn't yeah. watch
2: 24 until like
1: seven years ago. That's another one that I got in on late and just ran yep. right through. Just every okay. so right through. Every so episode. you're saying
5: I need to be incentivized yes. to yes. keep going as Break, opposed to... Breaking
1: Bad has that same kind, that same oh, okay. kind of cliffhanger at the end okay. of every episode. Thank you. Like, yeah. not only... That's good advice, Mackie. That's solid advice. 24 is amazing
2: for that. So 24, not only does every episode have a major cliffhanger where you're like, I have to to at least start the next episode. Every commercial break, going into every commercial break, (laughs) it's also a cliffhanger. And so when you start watching this show, there's no point at which you would logically be like, oh, okay, this is a good stopping point. I will just... It's like four in yeah. the morning, and you've been watching. You know, yeah. okay. I had it's a ridiculous. schedule in
0: college where I only had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I would have Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then the entire weekend to binge shows. I binged through all the seasons of Twenty Four because of that, and I couldn't stop watching. I would literally spend all day watching that show because, like you said, every commercial break, every time it goes to anything else, it's a cliffhanger. It's, it is it's
2: amazing for that so 24 would be the recommendation for okay. you to just give it a, give it a shot watch a couple episodes I hope that Judd reports back it's so like breaking five in the morning he's like oh my god
1: <laughs> that show has got no, to, that's a good point that show has got to hold the record for the most silent neck breaks right like yeah. that was Jack Bauer's signature move he would sneak up on somebody behind him and do this move the and and place them down gently on the ground so as they did so their body wouldn't make a noise as he was dropping them
0: that's the small move I have the first season on DVD if you want to borrow it because I don't think it's streamable anywhere. Oh, really? Maybe it's on Fox. It's gotta be somewhere. I could do Breaking I would Bad It's on though. Fox, but
2: yeah, do okay. Breaking Bad. Judd. Okay. All right, Jonathan. What are your quarantine discoveries from the weekend? Things that you would have otherwise not discovered or dove into if not for having to be home all the time?
0: It wasn't a discovery for me. It was a discovery for my wife, more or less, because obviously there's nothing on. So ESPN starting to go through their catalog of thirty for thirties, and they're starting to do wrestling stuff, and they had the Ric Flair one. And we that were that one is so we sad. We were enthralled for
5: oh, the entirety of 30 it. Thirty for thirties are so good yeah. right
2: now. But the Ric Flair one—it's like oh, Ric, yeah. Ric Flair. Ric Flair is playing for fifty years. Yeah. Has just been playing a character. Yeah, he's not actually that. He's yeah. like it's, when you watch that documentary, it's almost like you can see that Ric Flair is this shell. It's like this mannequin, and there's a human inside. <laughs> Help me, like trying Thanks to get Shawn out.
0: Michael said it the best. Ric Flair doesn't know who he is without Ric Flair. He doesn't. He doesn't know the actual human that is like I I can't remember Fleer? Rick Rick Flair Yeah, Richard Flair is Fleer. his real name. he doesn't know who yeah. that is because he spent his entire life being Rick Flair. So that's why he can't stop wrestling. Did you because guys, he doesn't he's not comfortable with Richard Flair.
1: Did you guys find yourselves like not liking Rick Flair when you were watching I liked him less afterwards because he I was bad for him. Like he was but Okay, I feel bad for him too, and I understand addiction is real, and it's a struggle that a, that a lot of people fight with. But no! this was a dude who, like, was he was he he wasn't a good he wasn't a good person. Yeah, and, he wasn't, and more than anything, he was a really bad father, and like, kind of just left his 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 wife and the mother of his children to raise these kids on his own while he was out. Drinking and philandering and, and touring across the country. That's
5: th- that's the story, and that's true of a lot of famous people, right? I mean, how, how many people have we heard, uh, you know, actors, actresses, athletes, and they do these documentaries, and the person's life is is sort of just a game, and then the second thing is, it turns out that they're not good parents, they're not good spouses, mm-hmm. they're really, really selfish, and they make a ton of money, and the public loves them, but but the real story internally of them is, is for lack of a better term, depressing.
2: And like you can tell when Rick starts to tell stories about the past and reminiscing, which is pretty much all he does now because he's he was seventy years old or whatever he is, and or some somewhere in the seventies, he starts to get all glassy eyed because he's just remembering Rick Flair at his yeah. peak in the eighties or the early nineties, and like the good old days, right? And he doesn't know how to drive value from just being 73-year-old Richard Fleer who had a good run and, like, now he's going to settle in. No, he just doesn't. In fact, there's another another quarantine discovery from last weekend. If you're a wrestling nerd, and clearly I am the wrestling nerd of the show, the WWE Network has a bunch of great documentaries, too, and one of them is about the ruthless aggression era from the early 2000s where... It was a little bit like in the NBA when Michael Jordan retired, and then they went through this period where, who's the next star, right? And, and Okay, Kobe, but there was like a two or three year period where Kobe wasn't quite ready to be the star of the league, and LeBron hadn't gotten there yet. In the WWF at the time, The Rock went to Hollywood, and Stone Cold retired with a neck injury, and they had like a two or three year period where they didn't know who the stars were going to be. So John Cena comes around, uh Randy Orton comes around, and they... Randy Orton, Dave Batista, Triple H and Ric Flair form this faction called Evolution. And there's a full hour and a half long documentary about Triple H basically trying to like pump Ric Flair back up through this faction called Evolution. And it's like it's amazingly candid. He's like there's like all this backstage, you know, footage of sort of depressed Ric Flair in the early two thousands because his physique isn't what it used to be, and he's wow. you know, he's not Winning matches because he's not like he's fifty years old or fifty five years old, and Triple H is saying, "You know, I'm I'm looking at this guy walking around, and it's kind of pathetic, you know. Like he used to be my idol, and he's this legend, and he's just like has no confidence anymore because that Ric Flair is gone.
0: They showed part of it. They were talk. They had that part in the thirty for thirty where Triple H was saying something similar, and they were showing this clip where they're all in the ring cutting a promo, and Ric Flair's just he's got the thousand yard stare. Just he's not there. He's just, they're trying to pump him up to the crowd and he's just, just nodding his head, just not paying attention to anything.
5: But that sport too is one where they try and milk those guys for so long. Oh yeah, like I mean, can, get every can you imagine like sure. the Twins being like, "This pitcher was really good in '92, and now Brad Radke's back. <laughs> They're
1: still rolling Brad. I mean, like, Brad, we want you to be super confident tonight. Go out there and dominate, and Brad. Radke's His arm like, is hanging by a thread. <laughs> I don't want to He's addicted to painkillers. I don't want
5: to pitch <laughs> anymore. Like football, you know, the Vikings. We got this quarterback. His name's Dante Culpepper.
2: Go back out there and Dude, roll and roll it, Dante. Today is actually I believe the 13 year anniversary of Ric Flair's last or maybe the 12 year anniversary Ric Flair's last match with the WWE and Shawn Michaels was his opponent at WrestleMania and like it's the most unbelievable scene in the minute it's like totally real and the only thing that's not real obviously is like how hard Shawn Michaels kicked Ric Flair but (laughs) they both know that the match is about to end and Ric Flair knows and Shawn Michaels knows that Ric Flair's career the most legendary career ever is about to end and so Shawn Michaels is in the corner stomping his foot to do his, his sweet chin music finisher. And he's got tears coming down his face. Ric Flair gets up and does like the fighter stance, you know, the younger <laughs> <Notre laughs> fighter stance yeah. with like, like bawling his eyes out. So in theory, like Ric Flair is, you know, he's supposed to be getting up to like continue the match, but he knows what the ending of the match is. And so he's just bawling because he knows that his career is about to be over. And Shawn Michaels mouths to Ric Flair. I'm sorry, I love you, and then kicks his head off, and then and then pins him. But it was like, you know, it was you could see like how much breakup. But no, but here's the here's the point. You could see how much it meant to Ric Flair, right? Oh my God, like this whole thing that I've propped my entire existence off of for forty years (laughs) is coming to an end in the middle of this ring right now, and I'm bawling because of it. So, so
5: is is that a bit like the end for Favre?
2: Yeah, who Rick, played, who Brett played Favre and Rick Slayer are actually very much alike <laughs> And Favre, <laughs> very much and alike. Favre,
5: and Favre with, without question,
1: did take it too long Who was the guy who drove Favre into the frozen turf? At Corey Tizia, Wooten but, Was Corey Wooten Shawn Michaels in this scenario?
2: Pretty much I'm or, sorry, Brett, I love you Did, <laughs> did he tears said. in his eyes and mouth, I'm sorry, I love you As he was
1: coming around the edge And
5: McKinney did not move, so Wooten just like went right around him He's like, oh no!
1: It was actually McKinney who was crying and saying, I'm he sorry, been, I love you. I'm sorry, Brett. McKinney should have been crying. Brett Favre
5: knocked out cold on the TCF
2: Bank Stadium turf. But we must put your career into, into a step. Uh, all right, quarantine discovery for me this weekend. Well, Tiger King was one of the quarantine discoveries, but we already covered that one. So you did
1: start that till this weekend?
2: No, I binged and, it all in one day. And you
1: blew straight through it, huh? Seven episodes wow. in one day. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm all super on Saturday. I'm impressed. <laughs> nice.
2: Seven hours, no break, just went right through, wow. just plowed through all of them. Wow. But the biggest quarantine discovery. Wait,
5: wait, wait. How many drinks?
2: Uh, well, we had the, the 10 White Claw empty cans for the claw bowling yeah. quarantine sports. The TikTok, I saw that. That is a segue to my quarantine discovery. I now have a TikTok account, gentlemen. Look at you. TikTok, wildly popular among 15 to 24-year-olds. Had to one up me, didn't you? And yeah? Phil Mackey. What, you jump on Instagram, I, just, I jump I, on TikTok. I get on the
1: gram, you got to go TikTok. That's well, right, I mean, at Jay Zolgat on the gram,
2: win. at Phil Mackey, MN on TikTok, where you can see my first three TikTok Was videos. Was there
1: another Phil Mackey? Did somebody get the Phil Mackey handle?
2: This is where I become old. So oh, I actually had the Phil Mackey handle back in the fall just to like reserve it. And then I locked myself out of the account. Oh,
1: right. <laughs> I did that on Twitter. So you have the Phil Mackey
2: hand. So I have it, okay. but I'm working with TikTok support to try and get into it and just merge the two. So we'll see what happens. Rami,
0: if you get a TikTok, what's your TikTok name? Because you got Rami is tweeting. Rami is.
1: I was going to bring that up, Jonathan. And then I thought if I bring that up on the air, somebody is going to go and steal that before I can get it. Okay. So why don't we not do that? Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> do it now. <laughs> do it now. Oh no, don't, no. Get down! doing this again, Get oh, down, no. TikTok! Tick. Don't start again. <laughs>
5: TikTok. What'd you just call it?
2: TikTok! You must pick
1: your favorite songs! Do the dance! Do you the can dance. dance if you want to! Do the dance on TikTok! You put the elbow over here and then the other elbow here! <laughs> <laughs> you can dance
2: if you want to! Oh no!
5: Oh, there's a cross between Phil Mackey and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Lift
2: your foot! Do the dance! Oh, so, uh, TikTok's amazing, by the way. This is the most addicted I've been to a social media platform what is TikTok since, exactly? since Twitter 10 years what, ago. I've seen it, but what does it do? I don't fully the, understand The it. best way I would explain TikTok is 15 or 60 second videos or, or something le- or something in between. You can do 15 or 60 second videos okay. synced up to sounds or soundtracks. And you can upload your own. And so you can do, you know, you can, like what I did yesterday when I did uh, quarantine sports, White Claw Bowling. So I shot it in four scenes. I shot the initial, like, uh, panning of the ten White Claw cans as bowling pins. And then I did, like, me with a tennis ball Mm -hmm. doing a bowling motion. Mm -hmm. Then a slow-mo shot of the ball hitting the cans. And then me doing a fist pump. And you can just upload those four videos. Boom, boom, boom. And it'll... Clip them for you. You choose a song. I chose the Rocky theme song. Of course. And it'll then clip, it'll clip like to the beat of the song, like where the cuts should be. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. There's not copyright problems? No, uh, they they partner with Apple.
5: Ah, okay. Because Twitter has that problem,
2: right? Uh, I think most. They get very
5: upset if you put music on Twitter and they. Basically, um,
2: suspend your account. Yep. And YouTube can get that way, too. But uh, okay. TikTok's genius is they have partnered with Apple. So they have no problem. And so they are driving back and forth. They are driving people like to new songs and stuff. And so there's been a lot so of artists. So you're a TikTok are- guy now. Uh, right now, I am. I'm right. a TikTok guy. Right. I find fun. myself scrolling more through TikTok and watching dumb Shaquille O'Neal dance videos <laughs> than almost anything it's else. It's
5: another feel-good, though, right? So, like, it's fun? It is. It's yeah, super it's fun. <laughs> fun. There's no backbiting, no hate? No. Somebody seven hours on Twitter like last night, boys. Seven gotcha. hours on Twitter.
1: Seven hours on Twitter? Sat, he can do that, but he can't sat, binge.
5: Sat down at three. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Wait, yeah, you just sat, sat on Twitter
2: a- for seven hours?
1: Well,
5: no, I wrote something, too, but I sat at my desk on Twitter from three, and then we did the happy hour at eight, and then I was on until 11.
0: Judd needs sports back bad.
2: Oh, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's dude, bad man. Sports, sports aren't coming back for at least two more months. I, it's, I don't know what to do. Are you just gonna sit at are you just gonna sit at Twitter all night, every night for seven hours in the fetal position, just r- rocking back and
1: forth? <laughs> start breaking bad tonight. Start breaking all bad. Right. You got nothing better to do. Start breaking bad tonight. I'll see if the wife let us will know how allow. many episodes you get in. Okay. It's a good idea. I would say
2: I almost think you should be watching Breaking Bad and Twenty Four at the same time. Of, no, sort of That's too
1: much. That's too much. One at a time. The problem the is if you start you...
0: twenty four, you can't you let... can't switch between shows. You gotta yeah. keep going.
1: No, let them focus. He's a beginner, guys. <laughs> what did I just tell him? Start slow. You guys yeah, are already you doing two shows to at the same time. On right, come on. Put
2: a pull up. Let's put a pull up okay. here on, on Twitter. But I can't watch Twenty Four unless I have uh, um, DVR for it, right? I think we can. No, we can. We can figure that out. Twenty Four's got to be available somewhere. Actually, well, Jonathan's
1: got the. Somebody tweeted us that it's not on Hulu, Netflix, or Amazon Prime. What? That's a problem. How is that even possible? You know what? Didn't Disney buy Fox? Might be on Disney Plus.
2: I don't think I have Disney Plus. Little Mermaid or 24. That's like the only
1: one I don't have. I can help you, out, Jeff. Disney but John, Plus. it's on Hulu. Here's the poll. It is on Hulu. <laughs> yeah,
2: Judd Zulgad is diving into uh, binging TV shows for the first yeah. time. Should he start with 24, or should he start with Breaking Bad? Is there a third option we want to throw on this poll? This
5: person tweets Oz or Battlestar Galactica. I will not be going Battlestar Galactica. Jeff, thank you very
2: much. Oz, I might. What do you got against Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> Man, I've a, seen
0: it. It's not a judge show. It's I can confirm a, it's than, not a judge show. Thank you, <laughs> Jonathan. Not that's, no, that's not an indictment of Jeff.
5: <laughs> it's an indictment of the fact that it's not a judge show. That's exactly it's right. very much not a Oz judge might show. be a judge show. That's old school.
2: It's amazing.
1: All right. We'll get that poll up. I'm signing up score for TikTok as we speak. Guys. What's the name? I'm, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Well, now my phone is making noises. Alright. Oh but wait, wait, turn <laughs> on. wait, dude. Wait what was that? Dude, that, was was that, was, that was frozen. It was TikTok video. Too. I don't know what that was. It was a TikTok video. <laughs> what the heck? What is going on? <laughs> what the? I have no idea. It's just a TikTok video that opened up when I opened the app. I don't know, man. You might want to call the cops.
0: That sounds like something's
5: happening to somebody. That sounds like weird. a start of a law and order to me. Here we
2: go. <laughs> Sign up. All right. All right. I'll be on TikTok before this break is over. Gentlemen. Sounds good. All right. Back in Inja those- with Rami. When we come back here, ESPN's way too early NFL rankings and where they have the Vikings. Interesting spot. And we'll wrap with Patrick Ricey after we talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here. Now, Federated is all about helping business owners. All about helping business owners with peace of mind. And uh, just making sure that life as a business owner, as hard as it can be, and as much energy and as much focus as you pour into it, that it's not harder than it needs to be. That's where Federated comes in, based in Owatonna, Minnesota, with over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. With Federated, you tap into all of that experience and you get help in a number of different industries. Auto services, cabinet and custom woodworking, retailers, wholesalers, contractors, contractors. Dealerships, funeral services, machine, plastics, and tooling. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com. At Federated, they believe their value is measured by the success of their clients. Simply put, if you win, they win. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated, it's their business to protect yours.
0: Jonathan here with the Score North
2: download. We'll use this
0: download to let you know about one of our partners. During the coronavirus pandemic, the need remains high for our local Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest, as they work tirelessly to provide food, shelter, and a wide array of support services to families with seriously ill or injured children at their Twin Cities locations. Thanks to Luis Arise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount at scorenorth.com will receive a signed Luis Arise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution allows the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate. That's been your ScoreNorth Donald. Now back to Mackie and Jodeth All
2: right, thank you, Jonathan. Going through our quarantine discoveries from the weekend. Feel free to tweet during the show. We're always checking Twitter during the show. And if you're Judd, you're sitting on Twitter for seven hours at night as well. It's
5: bad. That's amazing. It was really bad last <laughs> That's night. That's
1: incredible.
5: A lot of surly Twitter. It was, that was a lot.
1: I don't know how you can say I can't binge watch and then two minutes later say I was on Twitter for seven straight hours. Because
5: I feel like with Twitter... I can, one, go back and forth between either reading stuff online or writing stuff myself and then going back to Twitter. I feel like I have more control. With binge watching, I'm just watching.
2: By the way, the you poll results. Button.
5: I know, but it's not enough.
2: Here, the, I'm the the poll results are not close, by the way. They no, they not. they side in favor of Breaking Bad. Eighty six percent of I kind of had a
1: feeling it go. People that way. said Breaking bad, bad over twenty four. Yeah, I was going to say recency bias, and it's the greatest show ever. The great thing about Breaking Bad <laughs> is that there 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 aren't there isn't even a bad episode in the bunch. You know what I mean? Like every yes. every TV show has a, has an episode that just yeah. misses the mark here and there. I'm telling you, Breaking Bad, every episode hits. Every episode hits. Zach, great. Zach
5: tells me don't start wait, don't start Breaking Bad until you watch Better Call Saul.
1: Mm. No,
0: watch Breaking Bad first.
1: Break, Better Call Saul is like a prequel series to Breaking Bad. Okay, but Breaking Bad was released first, so you, that's how the creators meant for you to watch it. So I would say go and watch Breaking Bad first,
2: <laughs> and then on Quarantine Discoveries every Monday, you can give your review of uh, of these shows. By the way, I'm
1: on I'm on TikTok, guys. It's official. What's the name? I gotta Where, know. Rami is ticking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it
1: Amazing. Wait a minute. That's probably a bad name for an Arab to have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's well, why I was oh, concerned no. with the name. You're going. I on. just <laughs> noticed this. Yeah. Sure. Oh God.
5: <laughs> oh no. Could Rami McLove? Do we have um, him on the plane? We'd like him to stop off. Step off the plane. How do I delete this?
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. you need to keep yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you need to keep yep. it. Good luck on the passport. Rami is <laughs> ticking. Just dawned on me. Um, oh, all boy. right, guys. All right. It's good working with you.
2: <laughs> just make sure that you're not wearing a life jacket under your shirt for the first video to, uh, you know, avoid confusing people. It's, I can't it's, believe it's that suspicious. didn't dawn on
1: me until just now. Wow. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep.
2: We'll see how that goes for you.
1: All right, gentlemen. I'm Football. Yeah. All right. What's next? Or all my accounts are frozen, guys. That just happened. All my accounts have been frozen by the U.S. government. All right. Let's keep this show moving. Because they got
5: nothing else to worry about. Some guy in a studio in Minnesota named Rami. That's all. They're not busy enough right now.
2: Poor Rami. Poor Robbie. Damn it.
5: Poor Rami. He Poor just Rami. created an account called Rami is Ticking.
1: Was Rami is talking not enough? I thought about it. I thought ticking sounded better until now. It did sound really good. Rami is tick-talking? Yeah. That's too long. Considered that, too. Enjoy your
5: 5 to 15 stint in Stillwater. (laughs) It's Mackie and Judd with the guy from uh, Jail Selsey. Uh,
2: We'd still be able to get him one call a week. It'd be great. Monday's at 512. It's Rami. Yeah. Calling from cell block D. It's time for Rami is serving. 15 to life in a maximum security. Gentlemen, ESPN.com has I'll the. I'll be w- making
1: toilet wine on my TikTok. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> my um, God.
2: Gentlemen on ESPN.com, NFL way too early power rankings right now. After part the first two, by w- the way, this is part two so the, of the way too early power rankings. So this is this was part one before the first wave of free agency. Yeah,
1: pre-free agency,
2: and so yeah. this isn't necessarily post-free agency because there still are free agents that can sign. But Tom Brady signed, and uh, there's still there's still other moves to be made. But that, that's why they're the way too early power rankings. I'm going to throw out these teams, and you guys tell me what you think of them. Chiefs number one, Baltimore Ravens number two. San Francisco 49ers, number three. New Orleans Saints, number four. Green Bay Packers, number five. Let's pause there for a second. Too high. I don't know if
1: I see that. They were 13 and three. Right, but they felt like the weakest weakest 13 13 and three. I know that's how I felt too, but results are results, and they were 13 and three. But But those were
5: 2019 results, and I feel like these are supposed to be, if I'm not mistaken, right? The 2020 way too early predictions. I don't feel like the Packers are the fifth best team in this league.
2: The Seahawks are number six. The Titans are seven, and number eight according to the way too early power rankings, the Minnesota Vikings. Up from nine before free agency started. How do you figure? the Vikings jumped? How do you figure the Bills? By the way, jumped from eleven to nine, right behind the Vikings. So, mm-hmm. how do you guys feel about the Vikings after losing Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Trey Wayne's, Mackenzie Alexander? Xavier Rhodes, some of these are addition by subtraction just based on age and productivity. Anderson Dejo, Jaron Ron Curse, gone, 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 gone. They added a couple pieces, but they lost Stefan Diggs they lost as Stefan well. lost Stefan Diggs,
5: and they extended Cousins, which I don't know, I agree with. And are they the eighth best team? Two thoughts. One is, if this was up to me Vikings-wise, I would put the Vikings, let's say, 14th or so. I think they're middle of the pack right now at best. Here's the thing I don't get, though. If you're going to do this, right? Like, this is... And, Phil, you'll, you'll like this assessment. This is very Zolgadian in-season power rankings. Like, this is like, well, how did teams do last year? Let's just go off this. If you're going to do something fun like this, let's mix it up. Do you really think the Packers are the fifth-best team? Do you think the Vikings are the eighth-best team for 2020? I certainly don't.
2: Tampa Bay, by the way, with Tom Brady? Too low. Ten too lo- Too
5: low to me. But let's have some more fun with it. Or have fun. Let's mix this thing up. And let's put teams. Don't you think that there's somebody in the second half of your teams who's going to jump up? This league is filled with teams, right? That jump up every year and fall back. This league—it's what makes it fun. Very down on this exercise. I think it should have been far more
2: constructive.
1: I just I, no, I, go ahead, Ron. I agree with you, Judd, That it's not—it's not fun. They didn't—they didn't do what power rankings will usually do, which is drum up controversy and and conversation among shows like ours, but. The case I made to Coller earlier today is I, I, the analogy I used was that of a race. And if you're running in a race, yeah, your speed matters and your pace matters, but also you got to look at the runners around you and are they gaining ground on you? Are you gaining ground on them? That also, that also matters. And when you look at the seven teams ahead of them in the power rankings, and we can talk about some of the teams below them, but the seven teams ahead of them in the power ranking are basically. The NFL playoff brackets in the AFC and the NFC. Kansas City, they haven't done a lot to get better this offseason. Baltimore, they've made one big move in getting Calais Campbell. I think that makes their defense a little bit better. The 49ers, they drop a spot because they had to trade one of their best defensive players in DeForest Buckner. The Saints, they got a little bit better in adding Emmanuel Sanders. Packers have stood pat pretty much this offseason. Seahawks, they... Added Greg Olson, but Jadavion Clowney is still a free agent, so I would say that that's a wash. And the Titans, they brought back Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Those teams haven't done a lot to make themselves better either, just like the Vikings haven't. Now, they probably haven't lost as many pieces as the Vikings, but like I said, in this race, I don't see anybody ahead of the Vikings making great strides in free agency in terms of making their football team better. But
2: there's teams behind them that did, right? Agreed. I mean, the yeah. Buffalo Bills were a playoff team and then added one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and their young quarterback that we have been ripping on. We'll get one more year experience. We'll probably get better. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had one of the best rosters in the NFL last year based on all kinds of different credible people and measurements. They swapped out a 30-interception quarterback for Tom Brady. And then the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles, too. I mean, those are two teams with young franchise quarterbacks. Dallas Cowboys have... Uh, a great roster around Dak Prescott for the most part, I would just look at the Vikings eighth on this list and say, it's possible they could be, but I need to know what other moves are there to make that they actually pull the trigger on in either free agency here, the second wave of free agency, or via trade. And then how are they going to use their 12 draft picks? Until I know answers to those questions, there's no way the Vikings right now are eighth in the NFL. So yes, I am fighting a battle with the way too early power
1: rankings because well, we're all on for the most part. We have nothing else to com. do.
5: Just put them fourteen. <laughs> but the Packers <laughs> bug me too. I don't think the Packers are that good. I think the Packers are a nice team, but fifth
2: best. Come on. By the way, last on this list, I'm going to start from 32, and this is pretty accurate. I think the Cincinnati Bengals at the bottom, Washington Redskins 31st. The Jacksonville Jaguars thirtieth, and I don't know if anybody would fight that. It's amazing the Jaguars. You know, like, Gardner, are, like they were Great the stash. hot
5: team two years ago. Yes, they were. They were in the AFC title game three years ago. Detroit twenty nine? There's a fired coach.
2: That's interesting.
5: There could be when we are sitting here a year from now and hopefully the world is a very different and healthier place, there could be fighting chance, seventy five percent turnover of coaches in this division. So, so Matt Patricia, I think Patricia's Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, we don't know. Rami's guy Nagy, we don't know for sure, right?
1: I think if they have I another, we'll, I think if they have another rough season, they're going to blow out the whole thing. I agree. The with you. GM pace and Nagy will be gone. I
5: think Lafleur is the only one short of a two-win Packer season. Matt Lafleur is the only guy in the division assured of being back in 2021 without question.
2: Team that feels too low on this Arizona Cardinals at 21. That's one of those teams I think. Yeah. It like, makes yeah. a big jump and pops up. So, all right, let's, uh, let's get our guy on the line here because we have some cable drama to sort through with Patrick Ricey. He's in love.
4: He doesn't even know. What? We're dead.
2: what? Pat, what happened? Who are you in love with now?
4: Uh, she's a unknown, uh, woman who works for Comcast. I would estimate her at uh, 35, uh, would be my estimate. Uh, very, uh, fetching sounding young lady. And, uh, after spending uh, all day trying to get uh, our internet going so we could watch the uh, television yesterday, because let's face it, uh, during the pandemic, television, even without sports, is more important in our lives than at any time ever in our history, and... Uh, and after waiting and, you know, spending hours on the phone and having other people make attempts to uh get this thing running, this uh, young lady, uh, after 70 minutes on hold, I got through to her. Uh, she answered, and I was filled with confidence immediately because she didn't start telling me how happy she was that I was an Xfinity customer. She just got down to business, and uh seven minutes later, I had my Internet back, and I had my TV, and I want to... I want to send her a ticket to Paris when the kind of coronavirus is all over again. It's, it's, I, I'm in love with this girl. She's my hero of, uh, of America because, uh, the detentions were palpable here. And, uh, see, uh, Phil, this goes back to, uh, in, when the bride was in Florida, late early in January, yeah. I changed to streaming service and uh, without her permission.
2: Oh, you and, didn't run that by uh, her? You cut the cord without running no, it uh, by her? Yes.
4: yes, 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 it, What? It, it was. Uh, it I know was, well, she wasn't here. She wasn't here. <laughs> anyway. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, no! You, you no, know, Dawn would man. walk out. That'd be it. Anyway, anyway, it was. Uh, she was. Uh, you know getting getting used to it that I think I had heard fewer complaints in recent uh, days, but uh, the uh, the idea that uh, we should still have uh, a cable hookup came up yesterday as the afternoon went on and it looked like it might be about six days before we got our uh, you know TV back. In fact, uh I had uh volunteered to uh check her into a nice hotel downtown Minneapolis for about four days until we got T V back. So wow. the hotels are those hotels are cheap, you know, right now and uh, and a little a little separation wouldn't hurt anybody. So, and, <laughs> Social distancing, <laughs> right Pat? Whoever it was. Uh, whoever, whatever her name was, I forgot to get her name. I was so happy and I was sending so many compliments at her that, uh, I didn't get her name, but she's my hero of the the virus, that's for sure.
2: Maybe you should try calling back about a hundred times until you talk to her again (laughs) and see.
4: I don't know, because I'm afraid this is, there's nothing that agitates me more about modern America, except, of course, for pandemics. There's nothing that agitates me more than the need. To tell me how much they appreciate me as a cost customer. Everybody, you know, they're even asking you in the middle of a pandemic if you're having a nice day. No, we're not. Okay, let's get on with our lives here. Come By the on. way, I just Leave pulled up. Alone. I just pulled up
2: Hotels Tonight. I don't know if you guys are familiar yeah. with Hotels Tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, and, they, and even during non-pandemic times, they give you great deals. You can get, you know, stay in a three hundred dollar hotel for hundred twenty bucks or whatever. Okay, some of the nicest hotels in Minneapolis for well under a hundred dollars tonight. If you want to take, the like loss. where?
4: What's, I, downtown Minneapolis.
2: Like, like yeah, Nicollet Island Inn even is for seventy five Wait, is hotels, are,
4: hotels are open right now.
5: The Lowe's? Yes. I, I just pulled up. It looks like it's closed right now. It says temporarily closed. The Lowe's.
4: Some of them might be closed, but uh, the people at What's the Have you heard that, Fill this one downtown now. Sultan hyphen somebody. Uh, hmm. I think it's S-O-L-T-O-N hyphen. It sounds like it's, I think it's in the North Loop, and it sounds like it's uh, fantastic. And I saw yesterday it was like 80 bucks or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe even with the, maybe we even without the TV, we could check into separate hotel rooms for a few days. You kind know, of smooth attention.
5: Same floor, <laughs> so you can knock if you need something. <laughs> yeah,
2: Different rooms. Right. This is a great idea. Yeah, what's your what's your yeah. what's your go-to play for when you got to smooth things over? Is there a is there a is there a type of flower you buy? Like, what is your go-to play, Pat? Absence. <laughs> <laughs>
4: More ball games. It's always been more ball games. Sorry, I gotta go to the Twins game tonight. I thought they were in Oakland. now nah, but I, I might go, you know, so <laughs> you know? <laughs> absences. Hey, man. You never know. I might I might go out and get on a plane. So no, she's uh She's toughing it out pretty good with this broken ankle, and uh, she's, uh, you know, putting up with me. So uh, I, 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 they asked me, I've been grading myself on my caregiving by day. Uh, when I'm on with Joe, he wants to know what grade I had for myself as a caregiver. Yeah, I, I had to say Saturday was F-minus. <laughs> one of those days, one of those days, Saturday, I didn't do real well in that category. Did you lose the and, patience? Uh, Patients wear thin? Uh, I can't remember what started it, but uh, it, it wasn't good. Anyway, I, I gave myself an F-minus, which is not a good grade. F-minus is a bad. Who's the guy? What's the great movie where the guy got the F-minus? I can't remember what it is. Uh, fast somebody, Times.
2: <laughs> fa- it was it Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Fast Times
4: at Spring-Holy? Ridgemont High, Yes, which <laughs> You know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to watch that tonight. That's a great movie. I love that game. Sean Penn's greatest performance, without a doubt, it was that. That movie is fantastic. Plus, it reminds you how sad it is that Phoebe Gates decided to become a housewife and get out of the acting business.
2: So. what? What are some recommendations? We've been we've the, the audience and Rami and I have been throwing some. Judd's had a hard time binging TV shows. He just can't get into Marla, the right Marla, mindset.
4: Marla. Valhalla Murders. I recommend that one. Yep. It's I think it's I think it's Netflix, but I'm not sure. Uh it's one of the three. And uh what else have I found? Well, you know, I've already advertised by the plus one and the woman who's the lead in plus one has got a, a little comedy series called Pen Fifteen, I think it's on Hulu. And her and another girl who are older but they're playing like seventh graders in it and all they talk about is it's pretty funny it's uh it's sophomoric humor but it's uh kind of it's uh, kind of funny okay and let's see what else we got i i don't know of course you got ozark but everybody knows about that one so you know ozark is uh fabulous that the gal from the trailer in ozark's one of my favorite characters in any tv show ever a curly-haired gal in the, from the trailer. You watch Ozark, right, don't you? Oh, I, yeah. I, I think I'm
1: going to start tonight. Season three, that is.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. I love that gal, that, especially the first couple of years. She had first year when she was really edgy. <laughs> I think she's great. I don't know what her name is. So. I'd have to look it up. So Anyway, boy, uh, Wetmore and I had a hard time talking about baseball for 25 minutes. <laughs> all of a sudden it's just hit you that there's yep. you know, you can't uh you can't uh just wax nostal- you know, wax nostalgic and talk about it. I mean the, the 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 reality that we might not play is starting to really set in and it's uh very disturbing to say the least.
2: Yeah, it's just and it's the first time baseball is so reliable. You know, baseball's yes. just on every night. There, for every seven day. months it's every year.
4: Here's the other thing, Phil, and I said this to Derek it's coming up, but this team is not going to have, uh, this team you see now, they are not going to have a $140 million payroll next year. Everybody, and basically everybody's revenues are going to be down 30% minimum when the season starts.
2: That's a great because point.
4: Of, uh, because of sponsors and other thing. I mean, the, the, you know, there's going to be companies that are advertising now that don't exist, and uh uh, you know, it's, it's you know, $100 million is going to be a... If you've got $100 million payroll uh, next year, I bet you're in the top. I, I bet you're in the middle. I bet you're not in the bottom 10. I bet you're closer to 10th or 12th or something like but
2: that. But how do you, you know, if if everyone's payrolls are going to come down, it's not like you can just ship off $30 million from your own payroll somewhere else. Yeah, that money, else. money's got to go
4: somewhere. No, 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 I, I agree. I agree you can't, but I what I'm saying is... uh you know, this was, this was the year they took the plunge, man. Yeah. You know, they got Nelson back for one year. They took the plunge. Uh, um, Rich Hill, some of these other guys, they got, what, eight or nine, or Derek rattle them off today. They got eight or nine guys that will be free agents will be gone, you know, veterans, because yeah. they got one-year deals. And, uh, it's uh, you know, this was it. This was uh, a shot right here, and we'll see. You know, if they come back on June fifteenth and Rich Hill is pitching and Buxton is playing, you're pretty good. But if you don't come back at all, it's a disaster.
2: I wonder if it makes them less likely to trade prospects this season if the season does fire up and they know that yes. they have to cut payroll next it probably year. Probably does. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's another point you make. I mean, who knows? I I did I did hear that. I guess I said this the other day, but I did hear the boys. Of the reality of this is really really set home with the Twins front office, and uh, there's a little depression over there, to say the least. I mean, they're obviously worried about friends, family, fans, everybody else, but they're also, the the idea that they had put together this team and might not get to see it play has uh, caused a serious depression over there, too.
5: Here's my my question, too, Patrick, is this one, salary cap leagues. Because those salary caps aren't going to be what we thought by any means.
4: Oh, can't no, be. no, the revenue. No, the, that 10-year contract those boys just signed is because there was going to be so many more billions in it. Yep. It will be really interesting to see what the – you think the NFL might put off negotiating? And see what's going on? Because there's no way that these, these – the networks can come running to them with – as many billions as the NFL was hoping to get for another regular season game and two more playoff games.
5: Now, right now. There's not. No I, way. No.
4: No. I, I can't see it. I mean, no. I mean, a, a year from now, we're not. A year from now, we're not going to be recovered from this financially. I don't think. I'm not an economist. You can just look at my investment history, but <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, this is a this is already a disaster. No matter where we're headed, it's already a disaster.
3: I think
2: what's in it's, you know, 9-11 was just this sudden blow you know, to the, not yes. only to lives and to, you know, just to humanity, but to the economy. And then, all right, after about a week, okay, baseball came back seven and days. Like, flights came, you know, everything yeah. kind of went back to where it was going to go. Well, this is just a slow choking out of everything. It's a slow choking out of lives. It's a slow choking out of the economy. With no ending. Right, we could no play idea. our game.
4: The only place, the only place we could play our games right now is Antarctica, which might uh, have a little weather problem. Actually, but, today, uh, Pat
1: yeah. on Golic and Wingo, Jay Williams proposed that uh, they get all the NBA players and all their families and all the essential personnel to televise and put those games on the radio and put them on two cruise ships: a Western Conference cruise ship <laughs> and an Eastern Conference cruise ship. And he was dead serious okay. and well, built two had, basketball had courts had, on the ship.
4: We've had such good luck with cruise ships so far in this thing. No one will get sick. we still got, we still got guys that can't get out of Panama, right? Uh, <laughs> they're still floating around. So that'd be a good idea. Let's kill off the whole league, Jay. We have like 12 survivors. Amazing.
5: And no one on a cruise ship ever gets ill, so that would no, not be a problem. Are, things would be great. quarantined, you'd be
4: fine. I'll tell you what, though, we really start thinking like we, oh, we, we, we really start thinking, don't we? Yeah. Luckily for me, I continue to drink lots of Diet Coke, so I feel like I'm healthy. Keep that
2: company alive. Unclog those veins. We'll talk Royce. to you Wednesday. Bye, Pat. Bye. All right. That's uh, Wrapping with Royce. Powered, as always, by Josh Arnold Investments. We'll come back tomorrow with Mackie and Judd with Rami. Our friend Doogie with some scoops and uh, some other nonsense. Rami
1: Good. is ticking. Rami is
2: ticking. Uh, R- Rami that's is ticking. Pro- and that's the problem. Is that T-I-C-K? T-I-K. T-I-K. Sir, put, put
5: your hands where I can see them on the counter, please, and leave them there. <laughs> Time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. We always get straight talk. Not sugarcoat advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh Direct. His number, 952-925-5608, or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Hi, Josh.
3: Judd, there must be two old men that drink a lot of Coke. Warren Buffett and, and Pat Royce. Because they've been drinking so much Coke, despite the fact that Coca-Cola a couple weeks ago said that they would not uh, be issuing earnings guidance due to the coronavirus. Coca-Cola had sold off from a recent high of $60 a share, dropping back to uh, $40 a share, where it hadn't been for a while. But today, Coke had its second very strong day. Up five, 5% five to $45. Coke has been an old, very old favorite of mine. It has got a very significant yield at 3.6%. Uh, that dividend has been increasing over a period of time. And as I have said, for a very long period of time, I would rather put my money in Coca-Cola for the next 10 years than put my money into U.S. Treasuries. Well, the 10-year U.S. Treasury is trading right around 1% in terms of yield. Put my money in, take my money out, get that uh, paycheck from the Treasury twice a year. Coca-Cola will pay me four times a year, will have given me a current yield of 3.6%. And while the Treasury will guarantee that I'll get my money back at the end of 10 years, which you can't get with Coca-Cola I'd be willing to bet that I'd get a lot more back in 10 years from Coke than I would from, from the Treasury. Coke is not the only company that has been selling at a discount. If I talk even about Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway, that, too, has sold off, though Berkshire Hathaway does have companies in it that I really do not want to own such as uh, banks and some other financials, but it does have uh, a company, actually the leading company in Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio is my favorite company, Apple, which happened to get a very nice upgrade today. Yes, all this positive news, uh, for the most part, did mean that the Dow Jones did finish up 690 points. There was a little less volatility, though I do believe that volatility will be elevated for the foreseeable future uh, as the market continues to move on coronavirus news and maybe a little bit on Trump's tweets i think the actually i think i do know that the strategy that uh, that i have been talking about on this program of keeping up to 30% in cash 30 to 60% in value oriented companies and the balance used for growth and trading and the focus that I've used on Internet-related companies, uh, leisure-related companies, China-related businesses, and real assets continues to make sense, though some of the real assets and real estate in particular has sold off in the last three weeks, giving smart investors an opportunity to purchase high-quality real estate at prices that haven't been seen in almost 10 years. It is a stock picker's market. Sectors are very important, and uh, we're here to help you pick the sectors that we feel offer tremendous potential going into the next bull market, and the next bull market will Be here sooner rather than later.
5: Outstanding. Talk to you tomorrow, Josh. Thanks, Judd.
1: Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of
2: future results. All investments involve risk.